Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Why can I come boldly? Well, God wants a relationship with me. He wants to answer my prayers. He wants to bless us. Do you realize that God wants to bless you? He loves to give good gifts to his children. He loves to. That's the kind of God we serve. Not a stingy God. He loves to bless us. So I'm to draw near with a pure heart. What's that mean? No selfish motives, but a sincere heart that wants to know and do the will of God. And a clean conscience. When you were growing up, were your parents, particularly your dad, warm and inviting or distant and hard to approach? The relationship with your parents colors how you approach God, your eternal father. It's hard for people whose fathers weren't open and welcoming to relate to a God who wants, like Pastor Mark will teach today, a warm relationship with them. If this sounds like you, please give a listen to this teaching you'll find that what God has to offer you is more than you could ever dream of. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 10 as he continues his message, Enter In With Confidence. So when will this deal about his enemies be made his footstool? When will that happen? Well, Ephesians 2.10 says this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. When will that be? At the second coming, when every knee will bow. By the way, the time to bow, it's not then. Verse 15, now the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. So we're going back to Jeremiah, whole thing we covered a few weeks ago. The new covenant has to do with an inner transformation. It's not simply just the written, but it's from our hearts. Verse 17, then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. There it is again. Why should we remember it when he's forgotten it? So just let it go. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. No more. Again, perfect forgiveness, complete forgiveness. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. 
What should we do? You'll see three things in a moment. But look at this. No Old Testament believer, that's who he's writing to, doesn't make a bit of sense to us. Because we never experienced what the Old Testament did. But no Old Testament believer would ever have been bold enough to try to enter the Holy Holy. You wouldn't have anybody, you know, doing a picket thing. Let's all go through the curtain and enter the Holy of the Holy. They knew better. I mean, they'd be dead. There was no way to do it. In fact, we know there was only one exception. That was the high priest. And he made sure his sins were forgiven before he went in. So this thick veil in the temple was always a sign that man couldn't approach God. Notice what it says here. By a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. So what really happened? Well, as Jesus' body was being torn on the cross, notice what happened. Let me read it to you out of Matthew 27. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. So what does that mean? Jesus' death opened the way for the very first time for everyone. We have access to God. I can go to God. I can always just say to God, and see, the curtain said, stay out. Jesus said, come on in. That was worth more than one amen and hallelujah in this place. I know there isn't a praise band up here, but come on. Hallelujah. Now, look back in verse 19. Therefore, brothers. Who's the person that can approach God? Christ followers. Really, the only prayer that God hears from an unbeliever is what? God, save me. See, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God doesn't hear me. So if I don't have a relationship with God, and I'm not interested in that relationship, God doesn't hear my prayers. That's a relationship that I can have. Notice, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus... The only one that has confidence can boldly go to God in prayer is a Christ follower. That's a benefit of being a Christ follower. Now, what are the invitations? Let's just read again. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, what should we do? Well, look at verse 22. Number one, let Pastor Mark draw near to God. Is that what it says? No. Well, let Pastor Dave, Pastor Dean draw near to God. No. What's the word that you want to circle in your Bible? Who is us? Us. It's all Christ followers. I want you to see that as we go through. Us, the church, is a body of believers. It's family. I'm not the one that approaches God boldly by myself. Certainly I do that as an individual. But God doesn't just do it for the pastors. He doesn't do it for these kind of who well, we would think are special people. There are no special people. He does it for us, all of us. And so understand, this comes back to a, a very important principle that I want to give to you, kind of preaching to the choir, but it's okay. We weren't designed to do life alone. Jesus never did life alone. He shared life with his disciples. Remember Mary, Martha, Lazarus, good friends. He was with them in their relationships. So here is 
One of these five C's that we have, connect. Here's our five C's. We start with commit to the Lord. That's what we do. We commit ourselves. And we do this because a commitment to Christ, Christ is the center of everything. Because of that, I can come boldly. And then I want to connect. That's the one I want to talk about tonight. Connect. Us. We're family. We're together. That's what God designed us to be. And I can come boldly in actually three ways that the Scripture tells us to do it. So let's look at them. Number one, let us... In the original language means this, let us continually come. Let us draw near to God. So, right by that verse, verse 22, you can write the word faith. Because you're going to see faith and hope and love in these three wonderful invitations for all of us. So, let us draw near to God with a pure heart in faith. What does it mean in faith? God will hear me. Why? Because I'm a child of his. And with a clean conscience. James 4.8 says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So I'm to come to Christ. I can come boldly. I'm challenged to come boldly. Not just me, but us. We come boldly. Now, We talked about this in staff today. I think this is very important. I am to come boldly to God. Jesus has come. The sign, the veil is gone. It's not keep out, it's come in. But there's a difference in bold. I'm to come boldly, but reverently. You see, some of the things you'll hear are that we can come boldly and just demand God to do something. No, that's not what he says. I'm, remember what Jesus said? I will do your will. Notice how Jesus prayed. Jesus didn't go to the garden and say, Okay, God, I've got another plan for this. No, he said, he came boldly to his father, but he said, God, is there another way? That's the way you do it. So when I come boldly, I don't have to be ashamed to come to God and ask for things. But I want to come in a reverent fashion, knowing that what I want is his will. Now, what if his will costs me? By the way, will it? Always. But it's still the best thing for me. Because his plan for me is way better than any plan I can have. It will cost me, absolutely. But in the end, it's, it's absolutely worth it. So, I can come boldly. And how do I come to the throne? Through prayer. That's why every Wednesday night, we're just going to take time to pray. Because sometimes, corporately, we don't do very well with that. Now, why can I come boldly? Well, God wants a relationship with me. He wants to answer my prayers. He wants to bless us. Do you realize that God wants to bless you? He loves to give good gifts to his children. He loves to. That's the kind of God we serve. Not a stingy God. He loves to bless us. So I'm to draw near with a pure heart. What's that mean? No selfish motives, but a sincere heart that wants to know and do the will of God. And a clean conscience. So, how does my conscience get clean? And this is the beautiful picture. Take a moment and just put your finger there. Turn back to John 15. 
Sometimes we're amazed at what happens when we go through a Bible study or have our quiet time together. Why should I be in the Word of God? What does the Word of God do for me? Oh, a million things. But look at John fifteen three. Notice, I'm to draw near to God with a pure heart and a clean conscience. And basically, the scripture says, having our bodies washed with pure water. That's not really talking about water baptism. It's talking about what you see in John fifteen three. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. See, when we study the word, what does the word do? It cleans us. It just cleans all the way through us. And I think that's a great principle. You'll see in a moment another challenge. Here's what we hear all the time. Just think about yourself. You've got to love yourself before you love others. How many know that's not a problem for us? Every one of us love ourselves too much, don't we? So I don't have to be challenged to love myself. I'm going to be challenged to love others. Why? Because I become very selfish. So when we hear these scriptures, and when I just said to you a few moments ago, whenever Satan brings up the past sins, what did the word do tonight to that? It just washed right through me. And I can say to Satan, when he brings up something that I did a year ago, two years ago, last week, no, that's forgiven and forgotten. I'm clean through the word of God. You see? And so tonight, I reminded you, let us come boldly. God, I'm no good. You can't use me. I'm weak. I'm useless. I'm a sinner. You can't help me, God. That's not how God wants you to come. No, he doesn't want you also to come what? I'm the best thing since sliced bread, God. I'm glad you didn't make anybody else like me, man. Is there a difference between the two? Yeah, and where is it found? It's in our heart. So as I just say those, that what? The word what? Cleans me. It it just washes over me. It gets rid of my pride. And it actually gets rid of my false pride. Very often people say, well, God, I know you can't use me. That's because they don't want to be used. And they don't want to take a step of faith. So, all right, let's go back to verse 23. First one we talked about was faith. Look at verse 23. Let Mark Balmer hold unswervingly to the hope he professes, for he who promised is faithful. No, it's not Mark Balmer. It's not Dave Folkerts. It's not Dean Corns. It's none of the elders. It's, what's the word again? Tell me. Us, because we're family. Let us hold fast to the hope, the promises of God. Now, first one we already talked about. Faith. Second one, hope. Right by that verse, just write the word hope. Now, who is that speaking to? Well, obviously, this is speaking to these people who are wavering. This challenge, let us, is talking about endurance in difficult times. Way better in difficult times to be together as a family and work it together as a family. I remember when we had the hurricanes come through a few years ago. And everybody was, man, we're just like, when's the next one coming? I don't have this. And we all gathered together and we had all these teams that went out and we cut trees and we fixed houses and we prepared food and we do, doing it together, it made the disaster not quite so difficult. Do you remember? 
It was just a way to be family. And when you're going through a surgery or when you're going through a difficult time in your life, when other people come over and we're doing things together, it it just lightens the load. And so the writer is saying to these people that are wavering, no, 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 don't waver. Don't even think about going back. I know it's tough, but God has promised to take care of us. Now, God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he won't allow any temptation or trial to overcome us. Bo was teaching on that just a couple of weeks ago when I was going through his notes. Just reminding me, he had really good points. You see, nothing that God allows in your life will defeat you if you operate in his power. Without it, we're all dead. But with it, we can hold fast. Hold fast, endurance. Look at James 1, 6-8. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So hope is the key anchor for all of us. Hope focuses on the return of Christ, the guarantee of a new heaven and a new earth. Hope is fixed on Christ and not on me. Now, that one verse, that one statement, it wouldn't have been a verse to them, would have been great significance to these Jewish people who were wavering. Stick together. Look at verse 24. By verse 24 and 25, write the word love. Now let us consider how we may spur each other or one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together as some are, notice, circle this, in the habit of doing But let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the third invitation. Let us think of ways to motivate and encourage one another. Let's think of ways to motivate and encourage one another. Not consider myself. Notice that verse doesn't say, let's consider ourselves. It's let us consider how we may encourage and exhort others. Now, what's the priority? In that whole thing, the priority is worshiping together. Now, I need, you need to be encouraged, comforted, excited, warned, challenged on a regular basis. I need to be encouraged, comforted, brought to excitement, warned and challenged on a regular basis. So what does that? Corporate worship was designed by God to be a vital, vital part of our spiritual life. We cannot seem to get that in our spiritual brains. Listen to what Martin Luther said. At home in my own house... There is no warmth or vigor for me. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered together, a fire is kindled in my heart, and it breaks its way through. Do you know what happened when Jimmy was leading worship? A fire was kindled where? In our hearts. And what happened? It broke through. Some of you walked in down. But as you worshiped, what happened? A fire was lit. A burden was lifted. Praise began to be offered to God. 
Why? Because we focused on him and what? Not ourselves. There is no way to replace this. Now, you can sing in the shower all you want. And that's good. We should. But God designed... This is amazing. Here's what we're discovering. There's a generation being raised that doesn't really see the need of regular corporate worship. Well, all I know to do is go back to Acts chapter 2. We're not going to do it, but what do we see? They always worship together. That was the pattern. In fact, they were together daily. Again, I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. And we have great attendance. But notice what this scripture says. Let us not give up meeting together as some, say it with me, are in the habit of doing. It's a bad habit. Irregular or inconsistent church attendance. Now, all you can do is work with it. What happens? See, our relationship with God is social. And we're strengthened when we're together. There's no way that I can be built up together by myself. I need you. You need me. We need to be together. When we come together, God just does something amazing in our life. God never designed this drive-through church. Come in, punch your ticket. Soon as I say something, phew, to the back door we go. No involvement with people, nothing. He never designed it like that. And what I find, here's the next thing I want you to write. Laziness, excuses, and laxity can easily deter us from spiritual growth. God designed us not to give up meeting together. Not as an individual, but together. I think the last part of verse 25 is key to us. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Well, what day is he talking about? The day of the Lord. As we see the end of the world coming... It's crucial that we're here, what? Together. Us. Worshiping. And as I was studying later this afternoon, God just gave me this. Why the emphasis on the last days? Why this push? Man, you got to make sure you're in connection in small groups. You're in corporate worship. You're tied together in the body. Why? Three things. Because in the last days, increased deception... Increase deflection and increase depression. You know what happens with many Christians when they get depressed and despair? They stop getting with other Christians. It's exactly what the enemy does. We saw that in the children of Israel. They hang behind and the enemy just picks them off. Picks them off. So the writer knows difficult times are coming. We're in these last days. And as we approach these days... We've got to make sure we're doing what we're doing. So there you see faith, hope, and love. Today, Pastor Mark taught about how valuable Jesus' death was for humankind. You learned about the tearing of the veil of the temple and how that signified that access to God was granted to any that were willing to go through Jesus. You found out how the idea for church gatherings was God's idea and how not meeting with your brothers and sisters sets you up for failure. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. 
All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Well, this wraps up Pastor Mark's message, Enter In With Confidence. Next time, he'll start a new teaching called Don't Go Back, Stand Firm. You'll be reminded about the Christ followers being addressed in the book of Hebrews. You'll learn about the dangers they were facing for choosing to follow Christ and the greater danger of turning away from Jesus. We've run out of time for today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.